This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, is a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB Public Media app. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I hope your week's off to a good start. I know, you know, it seems like every week uh, this this month or so, we have been talking about storms. And, uh, you know, these are kind of unusual storms for this time of year. But I, I know your power was restored. I hope people are getting their power restored because it is hot out there. Um, but today we are excited uh, to welcome employment law expert, Atina, uh, attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson to the show. Um, and good morning, Chiquita. Would, would you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in employment law? Good morning, y'all. Thanks for having me. Chiquita Hall-Jackson here. Um I became interested in employment law by, one, having a general practice and just weeding out things that I just did not like. And the one thing that struck at my heart and um, pulled at my heartstrings was actually employment law, fighting on behalf of workers and making sure they had a voice in the workplace. And so with that, I um, decided in 2017 that we was going to go completely employment law. And I got rid of all other practice areas outside of real estate closings. Well, and I, I actually watched an interview that you did, um, and you talked about the fact that it was an OSHA case that kind of piqued your interest. You took, you actually took it because someone asked you to do it. It was not, you know, something that was kind of in your normal day work. But what, what, what is an OSHA case exactly? Sure. So, yeah, going back to answer your question, <laughs> um, yes, I, within me having a general practice, I did get a um, OSHA case, and OSHA is a federal regulator it's a agent administrative agency something like the eoc but it more so regulates the safety concerns someone may have at work when you feel like someone is violating safety or some kind of federal statute or law um around safety and so for that an employer let's just say you worked in a assembly plant or you work for the railroads or anything like that and you uh found that your employer is doing some things to put your life at risk, your colleagues' life at risk. And so if they're, um, they do have a complaint line where you can have OSHA come out and just kind of monitor and investigate the workplace for safety issues and violations. And then in the venture employer pinpoint that it was you or believe it was you as a result, because um, you can't report anonymously or you can put your full name out there. But either way it goes, an investigator come out and take a look. And as a result, if your employer um, does anything to harm you in retaliation for speaking up, then they do have a venue in OSHA um, in a form for you to come in and sue your employee for retaliation. And so with that particular case, a young man, um, the older gentleman, I just call everybody a young man, he actually uh, complained about some safety issues in the workplace. And the moment he hit an infraction after 20 plus years with the employer, that it was within months of him making um, his complaint, they end up terminating him. And he went through the OSHA process uh, for retaliation, was successful in that matter. 
Well, that's great. And I think, you know, you, you especially uh, handle cases um, involving protection of vulnerable and marginalized employees. So, you know, if somebody has an issue with an employer, when should they contact an attorney? Um, so I believe they have an issue. I say kind of act early on. That's the issue. Like I have so many people that call our office and they have great claims. However, they let the timeline, um, a.k.a. the statute of limitations, lapse. And you got to understand, for OSHA case, you have 90 days. So 90 days from the harm. So if that's a suspension, a termination, a demotion, anything like that, you have 90 days from that harm to get in front of that venue and file a complaint with the EEOC for discrimination, harassment, and whistleblowing classes, uh, cases based on a protected class. You technically only have um, 300 days, and it used to be 180 days, which is six six months. But they um, adopted, you know, the longer statute, which would give you 300 days. Yeah, so 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 people really need them, you know, to not wait. They need to get in touch with an attorney. Um, so now, what you mentioned the the OSHA case. So is it is it okay for an employer an employer to fire or discipline a person for filing a complaint or a lawsuit? It's absolutely not okay. <laughs> if you file a lawsuit or you make an internal complaint or you make a complaint to a third party agency, um, like like I said, the OSHA or Illinois, we have Illinois Attorney General's office. Just any third party that can regulate your employer. If you make a complaint against that employer and they even internally. And they find out and they take a action against you, a.k.a. do any harm to you. Um, it's called retaliation. Um, and you are deemed a whistleblower. And within that, there are whistleblower laws and there are retaliation laws, um, both state, federally, and sometimes based on the city that you're in. Your city officials might also have um, some statutes and ordinance that fights against it. We're talking this morning with our guest, attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson. We're talking about employment law. We'll be getting into harassment and discrimination. But first, we have a call. Let's go to the phones and speak with Heathcliff, who's called in from Tupelo. Heathcliff, we're glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? I have an uh, issue with my employer. Um, I'm being discriminated against. Um, my direct boss is doing that. Um, I have taken down meetings and other things where it was uh, very evident that he's got a, a bias against me. And I wanted to know what I would have to do as an employer here in, in uh, Mississippi in Tupelo. Um, and I want to know what I would have to do as far as uh, finding a lawyer and uh, taking care of the, taking care of the um, legal aspect of it. Well, that's a great way to get our show off to a start. So uh, our guest is attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson. Miss um, Hall-Jackson, what are the first steps when you feel like you're being discriminated against at work? What, what's, what should you document? When should you contact someone? Um, you should start immediately start documenting. I always tell people we have these lovely iPhones, Androids that have a note app in there. Go ahead and put your notes in there as it relates to any witnesses that was around, the date and time, the comments that was made to you that made you feel like you've been discriminated, or the action. We must use action words uh, in describing what happened to us that you felt like you was being mistreated. Outside of that, then there is a national um, website, NELA National, um, N-E-L-A dot org, N-E-L-A dot org. I am a proud um, member of NELA, and I serve as the current president of NELA Illinois. 
And with that, once you go to the main website, the national website, you can find a lawyer, hit find a lawyer feature. And on that find a lawyer feature, you can search by your state and you can um, identify those employee attorney, employment rights attorneys um, nationally that's fighting on behalf of workers. You can also reach out to our office as well um, by us, by most of these statutes being federal, we can assist anyone nationally um, throughout the throughout the United States, I should say. Heathcliff, uh, we'll have uh, uh, Attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson's contact information on this show page information when it's a podcast. I'll also give her a moment if she wants to uh, uh, give us her her website or her phone number. But then that website she did mention was the National Employment Lawyers Association, NELA, N-E-L-A dot Org. And uh, Shaquita, what, how, if someone wanted to contact you, how could they do that? Sure. Our main line is 312-255-7105. 312-255-7105. We will also have that information on uh, the website, and I will spoil my teaser for later in the show. She's got some <laughs> fantastic videos on her Facebook page that talk about what to do and how to get this process started. So Heathcliff, you'll definitely want to check out her page, and that link will be on the show for this page. If you have a question, we would love to add you to our conversation. You can send us an email with your questions. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Discrimination can take many forms. Some of them, under federal law, it is illegal for employers to discriminate based on race, color, religion, disability, sex, veteran, or military status. That's just some of them. We're talking about employment law with our guest, uh, attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson. Before we get to our next call, uh, can you give us your website? Sure. That is www. Hall-JacksonAndAssociates.com, www.Hall-JacksonAndAssociates.com. Fantastic. Let's go now to Biloxi. We've got Craig on the line. Craig, we're glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm wondering what should be done about heat-related uh, work conditions. Uh, I recently talked to someone who was getting hurt and had, you know, was feeling ill and stuff, and uh, I don't know what to recommend. I, I, I told them to document everything and and uh, maybe see a health professional. But what is, and do you know, without research, if any heat-related uh, cases have been successful, successfully uh, remedied? Oh, well, Craig, we're not in the state of Texas, but I bet they could do a whole hour on this one. So uh, what to do about the heat and you and doing your job in the heat? Um, There's also there should be standards uh, federally and locally for your state and for a federal just national laws that have some regulations as far as the temperature. Same thing if you go buy a a, a bottle of shampoo or some kind of cosmetic, um, they have what you should store between these temperatures. It should be the same thing for workplace. Um, And so with that, 
you can always, like you said, it was great that you advised her to document it. Um, definitely get some medical documentation so that she can show that to her employer. And I always suggest that you start with your employer, um, at least talk to them about the conditions of the workplace. Is there anything we can do to try to move me to a different position or role um, if I, my body can't endure this particular conditions? If that doesn't work, then there is always OSHA. It's a free avenue, um, and you can have them come out and check out the workplace. It's um, You can Google OSHA, O-S-H-A and see on their website different ways to make complaints or have them come out and do an investigation. Craig, I hope that helps your friend. Great question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chiquita, did that, would, would that include things like water breaks and things like that? I mean, you know, besides just the, the, the heat itself, I mean, are there breaks built into the health and safety regulations typically? It's most definitely breaks. Um, same thing when you need to take a break to eat so you can have nourishment for your body. It's the same thing for water, heat, extreme cold conditions. I'm in Chicago. And so the same thing for our you know workers up here. It's all year round. You have to have certain conditions and a certain heat. Once it gets to a certain index, workers should not be outside. Um, you see construction shut down for a certain period of time. Um, because of those same reasons. So it's definitely rules and regulations out there for those type of conditions, weather conditions. So definitely look into it. But I always encourage people to start off with just having a simple conversation with your employer. You know, a lot of times they just don't know any better or they don't know because they're not out there, right? They are in their nice, comfy office with air conditioning. So they don't know that you're out there working in the 80, 90 degree um, temperature, <laughs> even though you were the suspect that you sent me out there, you gave me the assignment for the day. But they probably don't know what that feel like, right? Because they not, they're not the ones out there. Nine times of 10, they're physically sitting in the office somewhere with the AC or with a heater. And, you know, the, I live in a neighborhood that's uh, under a lot of construction, a lot of new houses being built, and we'll have these thunderstorms come in. And there'll be guys working on the roof. And these thunderstorms are getting close. And I'm like, you know... I don't even like walking my dog out there and when it's anywhere near there. And I, and I, and I wonder about those kind of conditions because you see them staying on that roof, you know, until it starts to pour. But I mean, I always think, wow, you know, that's just not a, not a safe condition. Um, Isn't not. And you know what? A lot of people just scared to speak up for themselves. Um, and they feel like they have to endure it because they need to take care of their families, but a simple conversation can resolve it. That's such a great point. Communication is so important. You know, uh, it may, you could, you can avoid people like us a lot of times if you just talk to the person you got the issue with and maybe they help resolve it, but not always. Not um, always, but for a great <laughs> portion of the time, people just appreciate if you would have told me, like, let me at least try to remedy. It. And then also just for litigation purposes, you got to at least allow your employee to remedy it. So if I don't know, I can't assist you or at least act like I want to assist you. Right. So sometimes it's just as simple as opening your mouth. Exactly. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Now, you know, t today we really want to focus on discrimination um, in employment. And so what what constitutes discrimination in the workplace? Um, what constitutes discrimination in the workplace is being treated somewhat differently. I'm glad you asked that question because so many people like I'm been discriminated against, um, but you have no one to compare yourself to. And that is a key point in discrimination. You have to be able to show that one group of um, individuals are being treated more favorably than another group. And that could be someone based on, you know, the dis disabled people are being treated worse than non-disabled people. It could be um, those are under 40 are being treated more favorably than someone 50 and up. 
So, you know, it's, it includes race for sure. It includes colorism and it includes age, um, sexual orientation. It's a, it's a nice amount of protected classes, but the main key thing to take away, it has to be one group at a disadvantage over other. So let's just say in the real world situations, you're assessing severe um, discipline to one group of people. If they're coming in late or if they violate a, a safety rule or something, but you're not doing it to the other people. So let's just say one group of classes now getting uh, suspended more rapidly or they actually getting terminated without even getting a chance to get suspended. But you notice another group of individuals are allowed to get a warning and go through the progressive discipline policy that's outlined in your handbook. And they're actually getting warnings. They actually then get a one or two day suspension, then ultimately termination. However, for one group that can be the black people, they're automatically getting terminated without a justification or some kind of discipline um, step progress. Right. So that, now um, you did a YouTube interview back in March. People can see this year, uh, see you know uh, on on YouTube, um, and you talked about the challenges of women of color in the workplace. And would you talk about some of those challenges and, and when they become actionable? Um, those challenges that most women face in workplace is failure to promote. That is a huge one. Um, you know, you sit around and you're the motherly person around the office. You're the go-to person for the snacks and everything else and above. You, they, someone has a question, they need help with work. You're the one, the first one to run in, and assist on a huge project. So you guys can meet deadlines. However, all that work is not being noticed when it's time for promotional opportunities. So that's the main thing I see women face. Also, you know, unwelcome comments and touching for sexual harassment cases and just having a voice, being able to um, speak up in a workplace about like engaging and participating in decision-making opportunities, uh, projects, they don't get to get called in to help or be the lead on a particular project. So things like that you might see. Um, and when it becomes actionable, when you see that it's happened frequently and not just an isolated incident. And of course, if it's some kind of like, touching or something that's just completely, you know, wrong, that might be under sexual harassment. One isolated incident might be enough, but in most situations for discrimination and harassment, it has to be this ongoing thing. And, you know, and, uh, you know, so that, that actionability, you and I were talking before the show, um, some of that depends on the size of the employer as well. So when, 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 you know, when is a company big enough that they're under these discrimination rules? Great question. So um, under federal law, Title VII, a Civil Rights Act um, of 1964, it requires that an employer has at least 15 employees, which sucks because for small employers, um, a lot of them get away with it because they just can't meet that quota. However, certain states have a greater protection where that number doesn't need to be as high. You can have one or two employees, any one over five employees. So it depends. You can look at the federal statute, federal statute, say 15 um, state statutes may allow for one or two employees. You know, as long as there's a CEO and at least one other employee, then they can bring the action against them. And especially in sexual harassment cases, um, just so that trying to protect those individuals that are stuck to be in the office with just their CEO. So what what advice do you give? So, so let's say I'm in a, I'm in an employer and there are only four employees. So I'm not under the federal law. I'm not protected there. And if I'm, I'm part of a, a protected class of people and my employer is discriminating against me and favoring the other three people that, that are employed, what, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? 
I, w- I would suggest that you kind of reach out to an attorney kind of early on, because although that's what the federal law requires, they might know a state statute or, like I said, a local ordinance um, based on the city that will have a different protection. It's also an opportunity maybe, you know, if you know that you're being mistreated and this is just not the workplace for you, is starting to take a toll on your mental health and your physical health. It might be a time for an opportunity for an attorney to negotiate a severance package for you so that you can get out of there and go to somewhere that's more... Um, you know, friendly to your particular, your protected class. I was going to say, sometimes the best advice is to just post your resume somewhere else, I guess, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. I'm so excited for this show because it will have good information. This may be something somebody needs to hear right now, or it may be information somebody needs to share with their, their daughter, their uncle, their cousin, or it's available as a podcast when if uh, you might need this information later. If you do have a question, we would love to give you a shot to have that question uh, heard by our experts. Email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about employment law with our guest, attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson. And I do hope you know that under federal law, it is illegal for employers to discriminate based on age, genetic information, national origin, citizenship and immigration status, and pregnancy. We have a call that we're going to go to in Mobile. This is Jake. Jake, we love our Alabama listeners. Thanks for calling in. What's your comment or question? Yes, uh, very, very great uh, subject because I'm actually dealing with this issue at the moment. However, uh, I wanted to, the expert to talk a little bit about uh, reverse discrimination. And I think that term kind of means uh, when it's executed, discrimination is executed not necessarily by a person of opposite race, but the people of the same race are used to execute this uh, situation. So in reverse discrimination, it's usually uh, the idea that nine times a ten in the workplace is the African-American, correct, saying that they uh, or a person of color saying that they are being discriminated against. But in this instance, and what I have seen it um, successfully argued is when uh, now a white person is now coming in and said, you know, I'm the one of the few that is now being discriminated against. And vice versa, when it comes to gender, um, you usually have a woman who is a part of the protected class as a female. However, um, now this is a female predominantly setting, and now the male is saying, I'm the one being mistreated. Um, I'm the one that's not getting fair treatment, or I'm the one who's being subjected to sexual harassment. Now, as far as... Um, in your particular case and what you're saying, Jake, it sounds like that you're a white employee and you're saying that your same color supervisor is treating you the same way. Um, I'm not sure if that's reverse discrimination per se, but it is definitely harder to prove when you have someone of the same protected class that's treating you. So you might want to look at the other protected class um, and see if there's another way to bring it. Is it based on the age? Is there age difference? Um is there a disability status? Is there a sexual orientation status? Is there a military status and things like that? Um, the other thing is it just might be a personality conflict. You know, it might not be anything actionable. Is it just that um, this person don't know how to act because they have been given power 
um, by a certain title and they just don't know how to navigate that title and that power and they think they can abuse it. And unfortunately, there is no law to protect personality conflicts or bullying at this point. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank, Not a problem. Best thank of luck. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, I, I, that was put so succinctly and correctly. So there, we I've mentioned a number of the protected classes Age, genetic information, national origin, citizenship and immigration status, pregnancy, race, color, religion, disability, sex, veteran or military status. And if you don't fall into one of those, they're just a bully. Yep. And unfortunately, it happens so often. I tell people, believe me, that act been around since 1964. So the longer your employer been around, the longer they've been around this bush, you know, as far as they have been uh, slapped with a lawsuit probably more times than the number of years you've been working there. And so with that, they are getting clever on what they are doing and how they do it. And so, hey, I'm going to be a jerk and I'm just going to treat everybody this way versus I'm targeting a particular group of people because they know that won't stand in court. You also mentioned that with whether something is illegal or not, that can have many different layers. Can you repeat about that again? Sure. And so um, I think I understand your question, right, Liz, that it might not just be uh, one particular class. It could be, you know, based on that list that you gave, it could be multiple things. I have plenty of clients. And when we usually bring the case is usually I have a retaliation in there. I have gender, race, color, you know, you just throw the whole kitchen sink in there and see what, which ones, because in most instances, unfortunately, and even as an attorney, I have to say this, we don't know why people act the way they act. Right. But what the evidence shows is that more than likely than not, you're treating me this way because I just seen you treat a slew of other people that look like me um, based on my age, gender, sexual orientation, age, or anything like that over and over again repeatedly. This is a pattern. And so it looks like you're targeting this particular group. And so that's what you more so want to look for. And it may be illegal uh, depending on federal or state or city. You, If you're looking for a legal remedy, you may have you you do have various options uh theaters uh to look under that is correct um once again the federal statute was established in 1964 however since that time like i said it requires 15 employees it's also a harder burden so the states have you know try to work with their their citizens and that's what they're there for so they kind of have um they kind of have greater protection. And so they usually kind of loosen some of those laws to make it a little bit easier. And then again, depends on who your mayor and those that's um, on your city council, they might have an ordinance in place that you can come under the city ordinance, but it would be federal state and then um, city and sometimes County or parishes. I know Louisiana, they have parishes, but in Chicago, we have counties. We have an email. They emailed our address, legal terms, at mpbonline.org. So this email uh, says, this applies to all, discrimination, gender, or anything. What if the company is privately owned and wealthy and can basically make their own rules in a company? Could you still go through OSHA or NELA if there's any type of discrimination? I have known some company that would cover things up. 
Great question. Most companies are very wealthy. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and, you know, unless you're a small business and making $500,000 or less, uh, in America's eyes, you're wealthy, right? <laughs> and, uh, and the higher, the more employees they have, that means more bodies that they have to make more wealth. And unfortunately, they do have, you know, some people that they can do. You know, I'm not going to accuse anybody of doing anything, but let's be realistic. They have the money to fund a nice lawsuit litigation and they can they willing to go toe to toe with you for years if they have to, because they have the pockets to do so. We call those deep pockets. However, that does not give them the right to violate any of your rights and you still have a voice and you still have rights. And so therefore, I highly encourage you to look on org and find a local attorney and see if you can talk these things out. Um, like I said, these companies been around before they didn't get slapped with lawsuits before. And so nine times out of 10, someone in your local area knows um, of some prior history. Sometimes that's all they need. You know, you lost this case two years ago. Would you like to go back to litigation? And sometimes it's as simple as that. A lot of people don't want to spend time in court. So, you know, you have a voice, go after your employer um, and don't ever think because they have deep pockets that that lessens your right. It does not. And it does. It doesn't matter that they're private, right? They're they're If they're big enough, they're covered by these rules. That is correct. Private or public traded, it doesn't matter. You have a right. Let's go to the coast. Past Christiane, we've got a caller, Sonora, who's on the line. Thanks for calling in. What's your comment or question? Well, hi. Um, my question is, as I'm, I'm walking, I walk my dogs a lot around around town, and, and I've seen this in, even when I lived in the West, um, and I've always wondered, how, how does this happen? Um, I noticed that all the new construction on homes um, is, there is... Nothing, no one working on them usually, uh, unless they're Hispanics. I mean, they're, they're working hard. They're up there working on the roofs and they're doing everything. Even family members, they've got kids and wives and, you know, all that. Um, <clears throat> but I find it interesting that the population is, you know, <clears throat> highly populated with um, African-American strong men, smart men that are never, ever on the cruise. And I, I, I've i even asked a couple of contractors uh, that I've met, like, why are you doing, why is that? And they go, oh, nobody else wants to work, you know, nobody else wants to work. Well, that's just not true. That's just not true. And I, I know a lot of people, especially African American men and women in this area, that would love to have that job. And how do these contractors get away with with that? I mean, I think. Well, I mean, one one guy even that worked on a crew told me a, a Hispanic man. He told me that what the contractors are doing is they're providing these people the they may have a green card, they may not, I don't know, but they're providing them with housing. That's part of their wages. They pile them all inside of a house, and they basically have to work for nothing, and they don't have OSHA. They don't have any kind of protection themselves. 
And so basically what it comes down to are these rich white, typically, contractors putting all of these people out of work and taking advantage of everybody. And I don't know how they get away with it. I just blows my mind. So that's my question and my comment. Thanks for bringing that up and bringing it to our attention. That seems like there was a lot to unpack in that, uh, you know, immigration law and um, hiring in uh, diversity and hiring. Uh, Attorney Chiquita Hall Jackson, what are some things that you noticed from uh, Sonora's question that you could point out from a legal standpoint? Um, great question, Sonora. Ultimately, uh, and what I can pinpoint, like you said, Liz, is that is some mix of immigration laws, right? Uh, once again, we're speculating whether or not these people are, you know, legally in the United States. And honestly, you know, no one should let people treat them that way in which in the conditions in which you're speaking of. But once again, I, you know, it seemed like it was a heat is hearsay. Um, but if there's a true concern as far as that, then they have a right to speak up for themselves and call. They can, you know, they can call OSHA. They can call whoever they feel like they need to and bring it. But the nine times of 10, if they are here illegally, the likelihood of them calling is not, you know, it was, is not, it's rare. They're not going to call and kind of blow up their opportunity to be here and get deported. So that's one thing. That's someone conscious that they had to live with. As far as an employment law standpoint, um, with the idea of, you know, you noticing one particular group is being hired over another, that's that's everywhere, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's why you have the Civil Rights Act of 1964. In that case, a lot of Black people won't have opportunities to work anywhere. Um, and so it shouldn't be discriminatory. They should have an application process and they should be screening. And if you're an applicant, and you're noticing that, hey, I apply for that job. I'll be great at that job. I have the skills and I have what was required based on that um, post. Then, yeah, as an applicant, you can go after the employer for discriminatory practices in their hiring process. And so if that's the concern, if you know someone in particular that wanted a job and they applied to that particular um contractor and they didn't hire them, but the, and you guys notice and you have the proof that over – 75% plus of their staff is Hispanic, then that's when it could be an issue. But just as a, a, a regular citizen observing things, there's no rights for you. But as the um, person who is the applicant and I'm repeatedly applying for this job and I'm not getting it, then you have a right to uh, a lawsuit. And you can go to EEOC on that. Chiquita, you are exactly the reason we do this show is that it's about you and your rights. We MPB puts on this show. We put on all of our all of our uh, local expert shows is because we want people to know what their laws are, what their options are, so that they're informed and they can uh, take action when they know that it's needed. And I guess that's also a good reason why there are uh, community organizers that could also, as a community, raise up uh, all of our communities and help those who may be not informed and need to know what's going on. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. So if you've missed any of our program, remember you can listen to the whole thing on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. What I love about that is that uh, it has a transcript and you can even search. So if you hear a keyword, OSHA, then you could type that in 
I hope the transcript gets OSHA right. I don't know how they do it with some of these uh, anacronyms. No, that's not an acronym. I don't know. Anyway, 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 MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB public media app, as are most of our local shows, all of our local shows, I think. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Don't forget at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. We have been talking this hour with our guest, Attorney Chiquita Hall-Jackson, about employment law. She's based in Illinois, but her Facebook page has some really great videos giving information that anybody can use. I'm going to have a link to that on our show's page. We'll also have the link to the National Employment Lawyers Association. We'll have a list uh, for OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, and all sorts of good information where you can go back and you can share it with your friends so that they'll know and have all this great information too. Okay, so let's go to Grenada and take talk with David. David, we're glad you've called in today. What's your comment or question? Well, I was just curious. Uh, I heard the lady talking just a moment ago, and she said during the during the during the conversation, said you could just get a lawyer. And uh, my question is, and it's not it's any subject, but this has happened before. And uh, I was just wondering what you do uh, when when you cannot get a lawyer for for whatever reason. They don't want to take it. They you, money, whatever money. You know, you got an exorbitant uh, fee or whatever it is. You you cannot get a lawyer. What do you do with that? And so a lot of times, be honest, you know, this is an attorney, as an attorney, this is our livelihood. I tell people all the time, just like you want to go work for your employee for free, you won't give any hours uh, without being compensated. It's the same thing for lawyers. So there is a fee usually associated with these cases. However, in the event that you just cannot or you have shopped around for different lawyers and no one sees the claim there, um, I highly suggest that you take the free avenues of any administrative agency. And so EEOC EEOC. Everyone usually are very much familiar with that. And sometimes there's a state agency that does the same thing. Like in Illinois, we have the Illinois Department of Human Rights. Um, So check your state and see if EEOC, they do have a backlog right now because it is a free avenue, right? Uh, And so you want to check those agencies. If it's safe and health related, then you want to look into OSHA. Um, And there's plenty other I know what else we have, the Illinois Labor Relations Board, if it's against your um, union. And so kind of figure out, and you can always go on certain websites for different attorneys. You can also go on NILA.org and find out different resources that's out there um, to see if you can also navigate. And what you'll be considered as a pro se litigant, you'll be representing yourself um, and do know that, you know, it's kind of hard to go up against an attorney. But a lot of times people just want their voice heard and the opportunity to put their employer on notice that they don't stand for what they have been suffering. Um, and a lot of times if you just can't afford an attorney and you don't feel comfortable going through navigating these systems by yourself, again, I highly encourage people to just speak to their employer and let them know if it is your supervisor who is doing it. Look in your employee handbook and look at the reporting chart. They should give you a reporting chart. A lot of employers now, especially if it's a large enough 50 plus employees, they have a hotline 
Well, you can call and make these reports and then the employer hire a third party investigator group to go in and investigate it. So kind of look through your handbook and find out what options you have. Um, and then from there, see if it's worthwhile going to one of these free agencies. Best of luck to you. We're glad that you called in. And David, can I put in a plug and, and uh, for also free legal services? We have, uh, and not just not necessarily on employment issues, although I know North Mississippi Rural Legal Services, for example, will handle uh, employment cases uh, if if someone qualifies. Um, you know, and uh, and then we have we have the Mississippi Center for Justice here. We have the uh, Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. There are a lot of uh, lawyers who will give their time pro bono. Um, and I think our profession is probably better about that than just about any other profession. So uh, I just want to put a plug in for, for those services as well. That is true. I forgot about that. There's plenty of legal services worldwide. They're non-for-profit, so they get government funding to do just that, help people that can't afford it. A lot of them is based on a sliding scale, what your income look like. Uh, and I'm also on a mission to open up more law clinics so the law students can get opportunity to help workers that just can't afford the legal service but deserve um, some kind of fight. Yeah, and in fact, I'm glad you said that because we have nine clinics at the University of Mississippi that handle various issues uh, from housing to uh, civil rights issues. So that's a really good point. Um, and now, you know, we, we, we want to talk a little bit about sexual harassment in the three minutes that we have left. Uh, you know, the time flies. It really does. It's been a great show. Um, so what, what exactly is sexual harassment? Um, so sexual harassment is pretty much, um, unwelcoming comments, touching, um, it can be a variety of actions that's just unwelcome conduct, right? I don't appreciate the terms and slurs you calling me, um, and it's usually one gender. They do look at the gender, which is happening to you. And like I said earlier, it's mostly women who suffer from it. And had you not made those comments, had I not been a woman, would you go up to a man and say the same thing you just said to me? Right. Uh, and so it's, it's a, but it's pretty much unwelcome conduct or words that make someone um, unhappy and um, doesn't does not welcome. And then ultimately with the reasonable person also find that that behavior is uh, harassing or abusive or intimidating. So if I'm being harassment, harassed at work, what should I do? If you're being harassed at work, you should most definitely, once again, take notes. Um, you want to be clear on a date and time because the earlier you go in and try to report these things and you have the location of where this happened, it might be a surveillance camera somewhere within your employer's office or on the facility. And they can go in and actually hopefully pull those cameras and kind of um, solidify your comments and your concerns at that point. Um, if there is no cameras, you know, at least you might have the least they can go look at each other, um, time cards. Okay. These two people were at work together around this time. There were some people to say they both, they did see two people come out of this room around the same time, stuff like that. Cause now you can actually have possibly some witnesses to help substantiate it. Also for anything that went beyond, you know, the worst of the worst, then, you know, there's rape kits and things like that that can be involved and you can um, get those things taken care of. So you definitely, the earlier the better, but definitely document and go in and report as soon as possible. Attorney Chiquita Hall Jackson, we are so grateful that you took time out of your, I'm sure, very, very busy day and week to be on our show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
That wraps up for today's In Legal Terms. Our team consists of board engineer Jay White, call screener, and podcast producer Abram Nanny. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.